Good morning, everybody. It is great to be with you this morning. That's better. Okay. My name is Kelly, one of the pastors here. And I just want to say again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, That lady, that mother up there is pretty good looking, who was up there. So, for those of you who don't know, that's my wife, so I'm able to say that. Uh, So we are um, going through a sermon series called Awkward. Who here this morning loves the feeling of being awkward? Anybody? A couple weirdos, okay, all right. Some some people this morning. Um, And last week, we looked at the story of Bartimaeus in the Bible. He was a blind man who cried out to Jesus for healing. And although the crowds were like, man, be quiet, shut up, you're being awkward. It'd be like right now if somebody were to just cry out this morning and be like, Jesus, will you heal me? We'd all be like, what is going on? And if the guy just didn't stop, that would be super awkward for all of us, right? Hopefully somebody would take him out of the back and scold him, you know? You don't do that in church, right? You're supposed to be silent. And so we're continuing through this, this understanding of, Um, awkwardness, the problem with awkwardness is that we all avoid that, well, for those, unless you raised your hand, but most of us, most sane people, um, avoid awkward situations at all costs, even even if we have to lie to get out of an awkward situation. Uh, And and because what we're doing is we're we're self-preserving, we're it's the pride and it's the arrogance and it's the thing, the idol in our hearts of comfort and not wanting to stand out like a sore thumb. But the thing about Christianity is if you read the Bible, you'll see over and over that there's all these awkward situations. Especially if you and I are saying we're going to take all of what Christianity has to offer. We're going to dive fully in. We're, we're putting all the chips on the table there are going to be moments where we face awkwardness. And the question for us this morning is, are we going to allow not wanting to feel awkward, rise to the occasion, and be king in that moment? Or are we going to allow our pride and our arrogance and whatever is stopping us from pursuing Jesus in those moments, are we going to pursue that over the fear of awkwardness? So this morning, we're going to look at another story in the, in the book of Luke, and it's where, if you've, if you've been in the church for any period of time, you've probably heard this story preached before, and it's about a woman who worships Jesus very passionately, but yet awkwardly. And she comes into this home, and all these people are looking at her, and so we're going to say, Jesus, what does that mean for us this morning. So if you wouldn't mind, will you pray with me? And let's allow God to minister to our hearts and just surrender who we are before we get into the story. Can we do that together? Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you for your word. We, we thank you that it speaks to our hearts. We thank you that it's alive, that it's active, that it changes and transforms us. And I pray that as we sit under your word this morning, the areas of our lives that we reserve, that we, that we hold back because we don't want to feel awkward, the areas that we don't fully surrender to you, God, will you come and just 
Will you spring the trap, so to speak, this morning of our hearts? Will you let us let go of those idols that we hold on to and set us free, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So before, you know, well, as I read this story this week, I thought to myself, when did this woman have a conversion moment with Jesus? When did she hear the good news of grace that Jesus was teaching. And if you'll indulge me for a moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put up on the screen, I think they're up there, a, a couple verses, and we're gonna stay in the book of Luke, but if you want to, you can turn to Luke chapter five, verse one, and we're gonna go through four different little verses here. Luke chapter five, verse one, it says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, speaking of Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or Gennesaret. In, in Luke chapter 6, verse 17, it says, He came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea, Jerusalem, and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. And then in chapter 7, verse 9, it says this, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And lastly, in chapter 7, verse 11, it says, soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. Now, why I'm reading these, these little verses here is I think this woman heard the glorious news of the gospel probably in one of these crowds. She was probably standing, overhearing Jesus, all the, all the hubbub of who Jesus was, all the crowds following him, and she was interested and she wanted to hear what he was teaching about. And if you could imagine, the Bible says about her is that everyone knew who she was. She had a reputation. And it wasn't a good reputation. It was infamous because she was known to be a prostitute in the city. Could you imagine the, maybe the, the murmurs, the stares, the whispers that she's getting from people in the crowd? What is she doing here? Why is she listening to this? Doesn't she know this is just for the holy people, the people who have chosen to be righteous? Maybe they were even as bold to like say to her face, what do you think you're doing here? You're a prostitute. This is only for those who are perfect people like us. We're trying to be disciples of Jesus. You should get lost. And then we, we come upon this story here in chapter 7 of her audacious, bold, and yes, very awkward worship. What we're about to read, for most of us, it would make us squirm and do the awkward face right? The oof! It would be so uncomfortable for most of us. So let's read a portion of the story. We're going to read it in snippets this morning. We'll do something a little bit different. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 7, and we're going to read starting in verse 36 to 38. Verse 36 says, one of the Pharisees asked him, speaking of Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, 
When she learned that Jesus, he, was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, her head, kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now, for those of us who have read this scripture before, we, we know it and we go, oh, that was so, such a beautiful picture. Let me tell you something. This is not a nice, nicely packaged little bow kind of story that's going on. This is culturally super awkward. And so there's a couple things. Before we get into the awkwardness, let me just set the scene of kind of what's taking place here. So Simon is the Pharisee. He invites Jesus into his house. Why he does this, we're not exactly sure, but what a lot of the times Pharisees or you know, political leaders, what they would do is they would hear of somebody popular coming through the city or somebody who's important, and Jesus was this popular figure. And so what they would do is they would invite them into their home for a meal and host them. Usually it's because they wanted to look prominent around the other people, like, look how good I am for inviting this person. And so what they would do is they would open up their homes, their courtyards. It'd be like if we were hosting somebody here this morning and the city heard about it, we'd open up all the doors. And whether somebody's a member of Southlands Chino or not, we would say, hey, come, listen to the discussion that's going to take place this morning. So the Pharisee and Jesus, they'd be talking about politics and theology and, you know, hoping everyone's listening. And the Pharisee's hoping, like, listen to how eloquent I am when I speak about God with this holy man. And so he would do it around a dinner, and often what they would do is uh, at the dinner table, people would lay on their left side, they would lean because they would eat with their right hand. And so with the, the food would be in the center, they would lean down, and with their right hand they would grab the food, and then they would talk, and their feet would point outwards away from the food like, like spokes on a wheel. And they would do this because the foot was considered a very dirty part, an unholy part of the body, and so of course you don't want... Even now, you don't, we don't put our feet on the table, right? Your teenagers do it, and you're like, Sammy, knock it off. <laughs> Sorry, Sammy. <laughs> you would put your feet away from the food because it was gross and it was disgusting. And so they would, they would you know, that's how they would converse and, and gather around a meal table. But not just, that's not just the scene. The, the responsibility of a host, what he would do is when he is, uh, has a guest in his home, when that person comes in, he would put his hand on their shoulder and usually greet them with a kiss on the cheek. And that was a sign of peace. It meant like, I, I mean you no harm. I mean you no ill will. I'm welcoming you into my house. So Simon should have put his hands on Jesus' shoulder and gave him a little you know, kiss on the side. And then from there, it would go beyond. He would have a servant or even the host of the, the house himself would undo the, the sandals of the person who was coming in, the guest, and have their feet washed because, you know, the sandal was the normal day wear that they would wear, and their feet would get dusty and dirty, and people would throw stuff in the streets, things that we would never think of throwing in the streets, and it would get on their feet. And so it was, it was just, it was a customary thing, so when someone comes in your house, you wash their feet for them. But then it goes beyond that, and they, what the, the guests should do is then anoint their head with, with oil or perfume, and, and so there's this pleasing fragrance on the guest everywhere that they go in the home. Uh, usually if you come into my house, if you've ever been a guest in my house, what do I, I usually go, hey oh, 
That's the first thing I say when you walk in the door. And, you know, hopefully we've tidied our home. The bathroom is nice. We have four kids and toilet looks certain ways sometimes. So hopefully we've taken care of that for you. You come in, you know, you need to use the restroom. It's nice and clean. There's music playing in the background. So it's not like awkward silence, you know, and, and I'm, I'm trying to create this atmosphere of helping the guests feel comfortable in my home. And it's usually around a meal. We'll, we'll often play a game, you know, to, to do something fun or we have conversation around a meal. And that's the way that we love to host people. So if I don't do that when you come to my house, you can scold me, okay? But Simon does none of that. Simon does zero of the cultural customs to welcome Jesus into his home. And it's not that Simon just kind of forgot to do this. Simon is going out of his way to be inhospitable to Jesus. It makes you wonder what his motive is was for inviting Jesus to his house. So let's talk about these super awkward moments that are happening. You know, it's not just that, it's not just that the woman is doing some awkward things. Even the guests witnessing the way Jesus is being treated are probably already feeling a little awkward. They've already noticed if Jesus is reclining at the table that his feet are filthy. And they think, whoa, Simon forgot. Or either, man, how disrespectful. Why wouldn't he? So there's already in the air this, everyone's feeling like, you ever watch The Office? (laughs) There are moments in that show where I can't even watch it because there's things in me that go, oh my gosh. He did not just say, or, and it's like, it's just, can you imagine if coming into a meeting where everyone's feeling like, I just want to disappear. Let me tell you a funny little story about my wife. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, baby. <laughs> when we lived in Houston, uh, there was this little uh, pizza place that was near our house that we'd often frequent, it was just, I mean, you could literally almost walk to the place, it was pretty close. Uh, and they, they had wood, wood, wood burning fire pizza, it was great, you could customize your pizza however you wanted it. So Marianne has this thing where she's not great with remembering people's faces. She'll remember the names, but she doesn't really remember the faces. She loves them dearly, but she just is like, have we met before? And they're like, yes, I'm your cousin. You know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> so I was encouraging her I was encouraging Mary, I said, babe, you've got to try to make a better effort and acknowledge people when you see them. Don't shrink away. She's like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. So I don't know when we had that conversation. It might have been a week before. We go to this restaurant, and at, we finish our meal, you know, we're nice and full and happy and healthy, and we're walking out, and all of a sudden, Marianne stops as we're walking out, and she's like, (gasps) ah! And there's a, there's a lady waiting to be seated. So Marianne turns to the woman and goes, <gasps> and then she looks at me and goes, <gasps> not saying a word. Marianne thinks that she knows this person. This person has no clue who Marianne is or what's going on. 
And I remember Marianne looking at me going, babe. And I'm like, And there was more of a connection between me and this woman because we both understood my wife has no clue what's going on here in this moment. It was so awkward that Marianne just went, and then she just walked out the door. <laughs> no words happened, and I just went, bye. We walked out. Now, that's a funny little story. It's a funny, awkward moment. What we're about to read here is not funny, awkward. It is cringe, awkward. So here's some things that just add to the awkward cake. The ingredients. Number one is that this woman was a prostitute. Now, for some of us, we just go, oh, what's the big deal? Yeah, she's a sinful woman, blah, blah, blah. Now, the weight of this moment, the cultural ramifications of what is happening in Simon's home, to have a woman of this reputation come in and be intimately involved in what's happening was an absolute social no-no, especially at a Pharisee's house. So it says that the city knew of her reputation, to see this woman come in, everyone would have first been, oh, what is happening? Why is she here? Jesus should have, if he was culturally doing the right thing, Simon should have basically kicked her out of the room. What are you doing here? Get out of here. But that doesn't happen. She presses through. What else is awkward in the story? She begins to wet his feet with her tears. Now, some of us, when we hear this story, we think it's very like a Disney princess moment. It is not a Disney. These are not Disney tears. <laughs> you, husbands, you ever see your wife like lose it emotionally? <laughs> All right, don't be high-fiving over there. I don't know what that's about. You know when... When the mascara is all over the place, when the eyes are puffy, the makeup's all disheveled, the hair is like, like <laughs> snot bubbles. I mean, this is an awkward emotional moment of tears. And this woman wasn't just like, oh Jesus, I'm so overcome, let me shed a tear on your feet. This was <laughs> ugly crying awkward moments. This one is even probably, for us, we don't get it, but for them, this is a huge awkward thing. It says that she wiped his feet with her hair, and that means that she had to let her hair down. Now, in this Middle Eastern culture, for a woman to let her hair down in public was, like, adulterous. It was, now, excuse, excuse the, the candidness of this, but it was in the same awkwardness or shockiness as a woman exposing her breasts in public. And a woman was to only let her hair down for her husband only. 
Any time that a woman would walk around in public, her hair was to be up. Because it was, it was, a, it was a sense of her letting down her, her, her beauty and revealing it. And this wasn't a, an erotic moment. This wasn't her being sexual towards Jesus. This was her surrendering all of who she was. Could you imagine standing in that crowd, watching a prostitute cry uncontrollably, ugly tears, and then letting down her hair? All of us this morning, if we were in that culture, would have been utterly shocked and upset. How dare she do something like that? It goes beyond that. She begins to kiss his feet. Now, I don't know if you know, I, I don't, I hate feet. Ugh. And then to put feet in my face, ugh. And then dirty feet, ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> she is so overcome with emotion. She is so overcome with beauty and the fact that she's been given this grace that she can't help but sob, let down her hair, and kiss her feet, his feet. Now, for, for most of us, this idea of kissing is usually this intimate exchange. We only kiss what we, what we, what we adore, what we love. None of us here would kiss somebody's dirty, muddy, stinky feet. Because now his feet are probably all muddy from her tears. And her, it's all in her hair. I mean, it, this is just an awkward scene. And then the last thing is, she anoints Jesus' feet with her perfume. And it speaks about this alabaster little jar. And the other gospel accounts, if you've read them, you'll know that this perfume was not just the knockoff that you get at the counter in the center of the mall that smells like Chanel. This was the real stuff. It was oil. It was pure nard. And the other gospel accounts speak of it being worth a year's wage. And she pours it out on Jesus' feet. How do you think she got that money? What was she doing in order to earn the money for that? And in a moment, she surrenders a year's wage. All of what she had collected, she pours it out on the feet of Jesus. Now, if you or me were in this crowd and we tried not to look, like we're watching The Office, and we're like, oh, I just got to close my eyes for a moment. just to look, oh. Or even if the senses, we could hear the uncontrollable sobbing, so we plug our ears and we close our eyes and we're hoping to get away from this moment. Even if we were to do that because of the awkwardness, we still could not escape the smell that is permeating from the beauty of this ointment. It speaks to us on our worship, doesn't it? Doesn't that inform you and me on how we love Jesus? <laughs> that, that perfume would have permeated through the whole area. You know, when you and I worship Jesus abandonedly and with all of our heart, it's like, the Bible says, like a pleasing fragrance that rises up to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? And it's not, it's not just for, for God to see it and smell it. It's for those of us around us. I don't know if, you, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had our, our children in for worship. And uh, one of the guys was standing over here and he had two of his children in his arms. 
And he was just going for it. Just singing to Jesus with all of who he was. You know what I thought of in that moment? I thought that's so beautiful because his kids are learning what it means to be a passionate worshiper of Jesus. Moms. The, the exhortation was even spiritual moms. You are teaching us. You're teaching your children how to love Jesus. It's not just Sunday morning, but when you're singing. It's through your whole life. And that perfume of this woman would have gone through every nostril of the person in place. Couldn't hide away from this awkward moment. Now, up till now, there's been absolute silence. Other than her just crying, and maybe like people in the background going, oh my gosh. But it's been silent. Everyone's like, oh, mouths agape. And that's all about to change. So if you have your Bibles, go back to Luke chapter 7 and look at verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. By, by the way, that word that Simon uses for touching, he's trying to be really sarcastic and, um, because it's, it's a word used in the Bible over and over for like sexual touching. Now, obviously, this wasn't happening, but that's how Simon's heart was. He was like, verse 40, And Jesus, answering, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he, he answered, saying, say it, teacher. So could you imagine this exchange? Simon's invited him inhospitably, you know what I'm trying to say, to his house, and he's gone out of his way to be inhospitable to Jesus, and he thinks, oh, I'm going to teach this young rabbi what's up, right? And then Jesus says, hey, I have something to say to you. And he's like, come on, here we go. Lay it on me. I'm ready for you. Jesus says this in verse 41, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Now Simon's trapped, right? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. She gave me no water for my feet, but she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. You see, what Jesus did by telling this story is that he's telling Simon there's no difference between the two of you. You're both in need of forgiveness. You both have a debt that you can neither repay. You know what the only difference is between you and this woman? Is that she sees the depth of her wretchedness. And she is grateful for the grace that has been bestowed upon her. That's the difference between the two of you. Don't we often so many times take the path of Simon? And we go, well, yeah, I'm bad, but I'm like 50 denarii bad. I'm not 500 denarii bad. You know, like I get angry inside, but I don't let that anger go outside. 
I, get, I yell at the dog, but I don't kick the dog. And what we do is we have the sin of comparison alive in our hearts and say, well, I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as. And see, in the economy of Christianity, there's no such thing. There's no, I'm not as bad as. We all have a debt that we cannot repay. The only difference is, do we know it or not? So who do you identify in the story with? We always should say, oh yeah, 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 I definitely, I, I, I know I should identify with the woman here, right? But most of us don't go that path. You know how you know if you don't go that path? Are you an extravagant worshiper of Jesus? Ooh, awkward, right? Does your worship, does your love, do your actions of what you do for Jesus go above and beyond your awkwardness? Or are there areas of your heart that you reserve, you set aside because that's just way too much, that's way too extravagant? I know this is awkward. I mean, but, you know, it's like it could be a Sunday morning where we're all singing, and you're like, you know what, this song, it's not really doing it for me. We sang this, like, I think last week, and I think we sang it the week before. Are we going to learn a new one? What does that reveal about your heart? Do you know the weight of your own sin? Do you know the price of your freedom? Just a little quick story. Um, you know, the passion of the Christ. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty hardcore. There was a moment where Sammy, he was too young when that movie came out. He wouldn't have really understood it. Um, but he got to a certain age where I thought, you know what? I think this would actually be helpful for him. He was 12, 12, 12 years old. And I, him and I were just watching this movie. It's, it's not a, if you haven't seen it, it's not like, hey, get, get out the popcorn kind of movie, you know. It, it, it's deep, it's heavy. And as Sam and I were sitting here watching this movie, you know, it moves me to tears, and I look over, and my son is absolute wreck. I mean, he's like the woman here. There's, I mean, sorry, Sam, but there's <laughs> snot bubbles. His eyes are puffy red. And he starts to have this revelation of my sin took Jesus to the cross, but yet he willfully went for me on my behalf. And he suffered for me. This pain and this anguish and this separation from the Father. The question is for us this morning, do we carry that in our hearts? Do we carry that? I mean, we're about to take communion in, in three minutes. We're about to take communion. And for, for us, if we do it every Sunday. We go, thank you for the juice and the bread. And yes, it represents your body. The weight of it, it gets lost in time. But like this woman who was in the crowd, who heard the good news, she heard something she had never heard before. 
All the other times it was, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. You have to go to church, you got to read your Bible, you got to tithe, you got to walk old ladies across the street, you got to give your moms flowers for Mother's Day. Then, once you do all that, then Jesus will accept you. Then God will accept you for your works. And this was the first time that she heard, it doesn't matter if you've sold your body over and over to every man in town, there is grace for you. And when she heard this, she was like, there's freedom. I thought that I could never, ever find my way back to God. But this man is telling me that I've been forgiven. And that it's free. And I don't have to do anything for it. All I have to do is say, yes, I surrender my life. So, of course, she's a sobbing mess. Yes, you know, she went there with premeditated with that oil, thinking, I'm going to anoint Jesus. I'm, this is, what can I do? I know I have a year's wage. I'm just going to give it to him. But it went so far beyond premeditation of wanting to worship God. It was this spontaneous moment where she was overcome with emotion because she knew the truth of what had happened to her, that she had been set free. And the challenge for us this morning is whether you just became a believer today or you've been a believer since you were five, is to go back to that love and say, Jesus, thank you so much that this gospel is not one of, if I do, then you will love. It is, you love first, so I will do. And that's good news for all of us here this morning. See, Jesus finishes the story with reminding us of the gospel. Look at verses 47 through 50. Jesus just had this exchange with Simon, and then he says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who's this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, what Jesus is not saying, because you came in and you washed my feet and because you became emotional and you poured out the oil on my feet and you cried and you washed my feet with your tears, oh, okay, now I'll forgive you of your sins. What he's telling her, he's saying, Simon, she's responding this way because she understands that she's been forgiven much. You don't get it. That's the gospel, guys. The gospel says, in spite of you, in spite of your sin, in spite of you selling yourself to whatever that is, over and over and over, God should go, get out of here. You're worthless. You're a sinner. The gospel says, I accept you for as you are. Come to me. Lay down your life. Isn't that wonderful? Tim Keller says this about the gospel. You are more sinful and flawed in yourself than you ever dared believe. 
Yet at the very same time, you are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than you ever dared hoped. Will you stand with me this morning?